Hey, my name is Jay Warner Wallace, and I'm the author of Cold Case Christianity. I, I gotta tell you, if you're listening to this radio, you know you're in a good place, and I cannot endorse more highly the intellect and the passion of your host. So just enjoy this radio program. Is he a real one? Radio is the real thing. And Veda, thank you so much for doing the most important work of the kingdom. Hey, this is Greg Kokel, author of Tactics, a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions and the story of reality, how the world began, how it ends, and everything important that happens in between. And you're listening to, Is He a Real One? Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? My name is Veda Hedgeman, and I'm your host of Is He a Real One Radio. And I just want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to thank you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, y'all. So if you are listening on iHeartRadio, I want to thank you so much for tuning in. It is a pleasure to have you on. If you are listening on iTunes, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on on the TuneIn app. We want to thank you so much in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I also can't forget my lovely people on YouTube. If you are listening and watching and you're looking at my face, I want to wave at you. What's up? What it do, baby? (laughs) I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to encourage you to hit the like button. Okay. Hit the share button. All right. Leave a comment because that helps the video continues to share on, on these different platforms. So hit the share button, hit the like hit the like button, comment, and most importantly, please subscribe, okay? Hit the subscribe button because we are working tirelessly to give you content that is glorifying our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we want to share the truth. And speaking of spreading, uh, excuse me, speaking of sharing the truth, we have a very awesome guest on today. All right. She is a sister of mine by the name of Nefer Nitty, and I will be bringing her on the screen shortly. Our guest today, she is a wife. She is a mother. She is an attorney. She is an educator. She is a Christian. She is an apologist. She defends the faith. She defends the gospel. And she has courses that go deeper into some of the things that we're going to be talking about. So why are we calling on Nefernity on today? We are going to be discussing African spirituality. Wow. Is this demonic? Is this evil? Is this Christian? Can we do both? I mean, is it more black than if I'm being Christian? Am I, you know, what, what's going on here? We're going to have this authentic conversation on today. And I pray that and I pray that you're blessed by it. You know, we know that we've had a few, you know, celebrities, you know, who seem to be glorifying it. You know, we may touch on some of the thing in Beyonce's latest project, Black is King. And there are others as well. You know, the, you know, it's a lot of stuff going on. So we certainly want to cover that. Now, again, back to Nefernity. She, you know, so not only does she have, you know, a website, you know, in Nefernity.com. And nefernity.com, but she also has courses that go deeper into some of what we're talking about today, but also a range of other subjects. So you see it on the screen right here, nefernity.com. I want to encourage you to check it out. I want to encourage you to check out her courses. And without further ado, I want to invite my sister onto the screen. How are you doing on today, Miss Nefernity? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, I'm super excited, you know, because this is a, you know, I mean, all of the topics that we cover on our respective channels are important, right? You know, but, you know, this does have, you know, its its level of importance for sure. You know, and I kind of said it when I was doing the introduction, because you know, those of us who are unlearned, both in scripture 
and in what African spirituality and, and these false deities are concerned, you know, it's like it's an identity thing. You know, many people will say, well, you know, I can I, I can identify with my blackness with this. So I want to participate with this just because, you know, even though I know it's fake, even if they're arguing that, you know, Jesus is fake, but they go, OK, I know Jesus is fake and I know this is fake, but I'm working with this because I can identify, you know, my African roots, my black roots and things like that. So it's a lot of things that, you know, we certainly want to cover. You know, we thank you so much for being available to us. Thank you for the invitation. And uh, the way I, I pretty to put it to people is that to me, these subjects are a matter of life and death. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we know that Jesus is the one who makes available to us eternal life. And so uh, any stumbling block in the way is a stumbling block towards life, you know. And so if you're not in life, then you're headed towards death or you're in a state of, state of spiritual death already. So, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I look forward to having these conversations so that people can understand the truth, you know. Yeah, I mean, you preaching already. You you preaching already. And with that said, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how it relates to this topic? Yeah. So um, with this topic specifically, uh, my mother is Afro-Cuban American and my father's African-American descendant of Geechee's. Um, and so on the Afro-Cuban side, my grandmother was like a Santera, like uh, basically, the way most African Americans who aren't familiar the the lingo that they understand is kind of like a voodoo priestess. Like that's the closest thing that they understand. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's like a cousin of voodoo, although it's not exactly the same. And then um, they're kind of um, Santeria is the Cuban derivative of a West African religion uh, known as Ifa. Um, Americans typically call it Yoruba. And um, and Vodun, by extension, is kind of like a cousin. So but that I was raised in uh, Catholicism, uh, syncretized with uh, Santeria or um, Ifa. And just along the way, I wound up like walking away from Christianity because it was the white man's religion and all this stuff, left Catholicism alone. Um, at one point, I also left Yoruba alone because it conflicted with my upbringing from Sunday school, which taught me that we're not supposed to have no other gods. And yet here we were worshiping these other gods. And so um, my religious background is a bit of a journey, uh, but Christ revealed himself to me when I was um about 20 years old and I've been rocking with him ever since. And uh, I praise God for it. Amen. I, I don't want to take for granted that everyone who's listening to this is very familiar with, with my work. You know, although you can find answers to the questions it, that I'm about to ask you or, or even your work, you know, maybe this particular title stood out to someone. So, and they're not really familiar with it. So if you could, I mean, I'm sure you can't give a long presentation, but if you could give a synopsis or a summary as to why you believe Christianity is true, opposed to the other things that you, you know, were studied or exposed to when you were younger, what, what would you say is the difference as to why either one is true? Well, it depends on what you mean by true. Uh, because sometimes people think like we conflate the idea of real with true, right? So if people are able to um, 
to detect manifestations in these other spiritual systems and they see that the that the spirits are real, then they automatically assume that this is the truth, right? Mean, meaning the right way to follow God, um, you know, the holy and righteous way. Uh, so, but I make that distinction because although those other things are real, they are not the truth. And so one of the things for me, having experienced both, having experienced, you know, basically being brought up in the, the culture that surrounds that kind of religion, um, listening to the myth stories, experiencing what it was like for people um, to be possessed around me by these spirits, the intense, um, the missions almost of both the people and the spirits themselves. Uh, and then again, like I said, I was I was raised in, in Catholicism as well. So although Catholicism is its own thing, right, but they still have the Bible, right? Um, and so I, I was still taught biblical principles about, you know, worshiping God and God only um, character, you know, those types of things that are just, I'm not going to say they're not present, but they're not emphasized in the, in the other faith system. And so there was always a sort of conflict. Uh, some people um, have no problem doing both. Right. But if you, if you're trying to live by the code that the Bible teaches, if you're trying to align your life with it, you're going to have a very hard time doing this syncretism. Um, and so what convinced me that Christianity was the truth, because like I said, I, I walked away from it was a spiritual encounter. So that primarily a spiritual encounter. Initially, I, um, like I said, I had walked away from the faith because I felt like, you know, hail Zeus and, you know, Christianity is the white man's religion and what's this guy's name? Uh, King James was homosexual and all these other arguments that people make, I bought into them. Um, but I, because I had seen spiritual things since I was a child, there was no convincing me that God wasn't real. So it was more of, like you say, trying to find which one was true. Um, and then, so I said, I, I had a spiritual encounter, but in addition to that, it was um, studying the word in depth for the first time and realizing that a lot of the myths that I had been taught about the Bible or assumptions that I made about the Bible weren't really founded in the word. Um, mm -hmm. In addition to that, I've always been an avid lover of history and, you know, even taking black history courses because I was like super pro black, which I still am. But uh, I was what we might consider a member of the conscious community, a hotel right at the time. Um, and so I was taking like black history courses and they would mention biblical elements and like kind of in passing almost. And it just struck me like this is a secular course. I'm in a secular institution and they're talking about you know, things that have happened in the Bible. And so it made me want to dig more into the word. Um, and so I started finding biblical archaeology. I started finding timelines for when certain prophecies were written and, and comparing them with when they were fulfilled, um, specifically the book of Daniel. Um, and so things of that nature kind of like, for me, he was answering my prayers. He was very present. He was speaking to me in ways that I hadn't been spoken to that. I feel like God tailors his conversation with you to you, right? So he spoke to me in a way that I could understand. Um, just several different things, miracles that I call them happened in my life, but it wasn't solely spiritual. There was also, I want to say the rational or intellectual component where I had the historical backing. I had, you know, the prophecies and I had uh, archaeology to confirm for me what the spirit was saying and what the word was saying. And so that's how I, you know, I resonated with what the Bible is teaching. Wow. That's, that's powerful stuff. You know, another thing on that, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. You know, we often talk about experience versus truth. You know, so I have an atheistic background and the Lord, you know, brought me 
you know, home, you know, where I'm so glad to be. And I know I don't deserve to be, you know, but he brought me here a combination through the study of apologetics, you know, because I've always been a skeptical person, was never was never a hostile non-believer, you know, but I just, you know, was a non-believer, like, you know, didn't study it, you know, but when I started studying it, I, I began to believe. I just thought, well, you know, said only thing I know about the Bible is that somebody allegedly walked on water. People don't walk on water. So therefore, that's like a comic book. You know, it ain't nothing more to it, you know, but but there was a personal experience, you know, uh, you know, ele element to it, you know, that that rocked my life and brought me to my knees and humbled me, you know, because I was always, you know, like, a, you know, I, I, I do it all. You feel me? You know, I do it all. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm God as far as my life is concerned and I'm going to make it happen. I'm still a make it happen person, you know, but the Lord certainly, you know, humbled me and everything. But there is a there is a distinction between personal experience and what is actually truth because there are people who might have a story similar to mine but they convert to islam and they go well you know i was a jerk you know but now i'm in and now i'm a muslim and i'm not a jerk no more uh, or i'm not a, i'm a mormon and i'm not a jerk no more you know i used to beat my wife you know but now i'm a jehovah's witness and i don't do that no more because i had this experience you know that's tied to this religious practice that i'm now participating in you know but of course you know we're glad you're not a jerk no more you know we're glad you're not beating your wife no more we're glad you're not doing <laughs> all of this stuff no more but the religious practice that you're doing it, it still isn't it, it, you know, it, it still isn't the truth. You know, you're still not serving, you know, the actual God. There's only one God, <laughs> you know, and, and you're still not serving him, you know. So so prayerfully, you know, in this conversation, you know, uh, you know, folks who kind of tie this to the African spirituality element, you know, can be helped a little bit. But how would you just kind of respond to some of the thoughts I just shared? Man, I think it's complicated. As an apologist, we we try to broach the subject, you know, with um, with a level of understanding and I don't want to say timidity, but the Bible does say to like speak the truth with fear, right? And 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 humility, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, this is life and death, so we treat it like a delicate subject. And so you know, but at the same time, we're also called to speak plainly. And so speaking plainly, as you said, there's only one God. There's only one true living God. There are many. The Bible says there are many that be called gods, but there's only one God. And so, you know, psychology in the secular world can offer you. Um, can offer you character improvement type of things, right? They can offer you right. how to get rid of 12-step programs to get rid of addictions and things like that. But what they cannot offer you is salvation. And they can't they can't tell you that the core issues that you're facing are spiritual in nature, right? So they'll tell you, for example, like there, I, I forgot what what personality trait there was I was thinking about the other day, but uh, I was reading about, but they basically say like, you can't get rid of it. You can't overcome something that is a personality trait. The best you can do is manage it. But God, <laughs> God is there to transform. So he's not there to just help you manage the issues that you have. Uh, and so, you know, again, I, I really believe that God has, you know, he says that he has people that are not of his fold, but he still identifies them as his people. My sheep, you know, I have that I have sheep that are not of this fold, but they will hear my voice and they will come in and there will be one fold and there will be one shepherd, right? So they, they I do believe that in all religions, there are people who are sincerely 
searching and feeling after God. There are people who are sincerely following to the best of their knowledge who God is. But I also believe that God is going to continue to shine light on their path and lead them toward the truth. He's not going to just leave them in darkness, right? So it's okay. I feel like, you know, people say, come as you are, right? Um, and I think that the real idea behind that is there's no preparation that is necessary for you to come to God, right? But God is going to continually be leading you um, into brighter and brighter paths. And so, you know, I respect people's choice to follow whatever they choose to follow. But I know, and I, and I don't say I think, or I believe I know that there's only one true living God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would be, it would be um, irresponsible, I feel, of me to make you feel comfortable in what you're doing as though, and when I say comfortable, not that it's not acceptable because, you know, everything is acceptable. Everything is, you do what you do. You know, God has given us free will. That's what I believe. Right. But, um, but, I don't want to leave you in a state of not having any reason to doubt or any reason to be circumspect regarding the situation that you're currently in, right? Regarding your spiritual, your spiritual situation. So if you are, for example, I love people of the East. I love like (laughs) the, the, the discipline that let's just say the people have in Buddhist monasticism, right? Like they have a certain level of, you know, peace and letting go of the world and all these other things, secular activity, things that would detract them from their spiritual quest. I love that about them. And they, I feel like a lot of them are more than likely very sincere, uh, but, and, and they do have character improvement, but again, you're not following the one true living God and that's where we all need to be. And so I would encourage you to seek deeper, um, you know, find out what it is that's causing you to have this rebellion against God and then see whether it's whether it's valid or not. And um, that's kind of what I did. I kind of did an investigation. You know, I had beef with him, but I had that spiritual encounter. And I think that I, for me, <clears throat> excuse me, as an apologist, one of my main things is to help remove those stumbling blocks. Okay, you believe, you know, Jesus was copied from Horace. Let me show you why that's false so that this can be removed out of your thinking and then you can proceed to find out whether God is real or not or whether this is the true God um, and, and put him to the test. I I've never seen him fail. Put him to the test. And he he answers. He answers prayer. That's good. And right on that point, you know, I want to say something to the listeners. You know, she mentioned about the, you know, about the uh, the, the Horace myth. I literally just posted something with myself and Dr. Vince Bantu where we discuss a, an ancient African Christian leader by the name of Shenouda, who actually debunks that myth. And this is around the AD 400s. OK, he lived from AD the 350 to AD 450-ish, somewhere around there. All right. But this is way back, way back, way back when still debunking that myth. Amen. Praise the Lord. So Amen. going back to, <laughs> going back to our conversation, you know, kind of starting off with, uh, you know, with these ancient African religions, wh- what are some that are most popular, you know, that you know of that you come across, you know, either on the Internet, in memes or in or in the conscious community arguments and things of that nature? Religions. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Or like the practices that you think we should be like most aware of that come up the most. Okay, so the things that are most prevalent are going to be any study involving Comet. Uh, it's a it's a multifaceted thing with Comet. Uh, Comet is um, supposedly the indigenous word for Egypt, so that's what the inhabitants would have called it before uh, being conquered. Um, and they have a religious system which involves like a pantheon, so they have one supreme deity and then lower level gods. Um, and the reason why I say it's multifaceted is because some people 
take it literally. Some people will, and it's very few. I find the minority of people will um, subscribe to the spiritual elements of ancient Kemet because it's black and because it's old, right? Because it's African and because it's the farthest back we can go. We know Egypt has a time, um, a timeline that exists that predates a lot of what we are otherwise familiar with. And so we won't be, you know, going into our roots and go as deep as we can go, even though we may not be Egyptian. They're African. We're African. Same boat. Let's just get in the boat with them. Um, and then on the other side, you'll have people who say, well, these spiritual beings were really just um, were really just personifications or characterizations of scientific elements. And so they deny there's a spiritual aspect at all, despite the fact that Egypt had priests and they offered sacrifice, despite the fact that, you know, the mummies and all that were prepared for the afterlife. There's no scientific element of the afterlife. Um, you'll find that they tried to like basically anachronistically push on push on ancient Egypt, these atheistic ideas that they have now. So, okay, we're atheists. So we're going to rewrite that into history and say they were atheists. They didn't believe in those spirits or whatever. They were mm -hmm. just being really super scientific. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the two trains of thought as it relates to um, ancient Kemet. And then another popular thing that is African being that a lot of um, African-Americans are from West Africa is the, again, Ifa system of uh, divination, which is very similar and maybe a cousin to our derivative of, of the ancient Kemetic system. They have, you know, again, the supreme deity, they have a pantheon of gods, um, and the, the worship is very sensual. It's very tangible in the sense that people gather with the intent of seeing spiritual manifestations and they don't go away empty handed. Like they, you get what you came for. Um, and so I would say those are the two most prevalent things. And then a third one is not necessarily like a religion. It's very loosely, it's like kind of piecemeal, you know, e eclectic kind of spirituality where you'll see people taking, borrowing from India and talking about chakras and yoga. And then, you you know, they'll be talking about crystals and the moon phases, right. but they make it seem as though these are indigenous to Africa. These thoughts, these, these, the, the terminology or the, or the principles are not indigenous to Africa. They just seem really cool, you know, and it's woke. So everybody just going to ride a wave. Um, but those are the, those are the, the main things I think that are most popular right now. Hmm. Now, how does how does Yoruba and pardon me if I'm mispronouncing it, how, how does that play into this? Is that a language? Is it a religious practice? So Yoruba refers to a people group. Right. Okay. Um, so it's an ethnicity, kind of like how we have English as an ethnicity or, you know, um, a nation. And then the people who are English speak English. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same with Yoruba. So the, it's an ethnicity and the people also speak Yoruba, but they also have a religion, uh, indigenous religious system known to them primarily as Ifa or Isheze, but to foreigners, most foreigners identify as Yoruba. Um, even some people who are indigenous, so they, they very few will call it Yoruba. Um, but I, I do try to make that distinction because you will have people who were born ethnic Yoruba who speak Yoruba, but are Christian um, by religion and not Yoruba by religion. Mm, got you. Now, is the what's what's my sister's name from the Fix My Life? Is it Iyanla Fazant? You know, Iyanla Fazant. Yes. 
Yeah. So to your understanding, she, you know, she participates in what? Because I know because I know I seen your video on that, by the way, when I go to her website and I go to her uh, her channel, you know, find her video on on Iyanla Fazant, you know, about Christians who champion her her practices when she's, quote unquote, fixing, you know, pe people's lives. You know, uh, you know, it's really stuff that we should be aware of, you know, as Christians trying to walk this walk, you know, but a lot of the practices that she does that that would fall into the category of what exactly? So that would be the last one we spoke about, uh, Yoruba. She identifies as a Yoruba priestess. Um, so she's kind of like a spiritual godmother. Um, her name means mother of many or great mother. So she has a lot of people under her who she kind of guides into this spiritual tradition. Um, but yeah, so that's what that's the religious faith system that she practices. That's interesting. You know, one of the things I was wondering, you know, when I was looking into this, I, I saw a lot of language and I guess it's like this in a lot of different, you know, religions and, and, and false religious practices where the language is really similar, you know, to what we do, you know, in Christendom, you know, for instance, even, you know, you, you just said priestess, you know, so I, I see you know, I see a priest, I see priestess, you know, I saw in some of the practices of these, you know, Egyptian guys where someone's getting baptized in this and that, you know, why, why is the language often so similar to what we might be used to as Christians? Okay. So I think a lot of times there are some similarities with the principles and then because the principles are similar, um, they get translated into Western thought by using language that we're already familiar with. So they may not have identified it as baptism. They might've called it something else, but we see what they're doing and we liken it to baptism. And so we call it a baptism, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, uh, another example, just, just off the top of my head, in the Ifa Yoruba tradition, they have a deity that is like the guardian of crossroads and he's known as a trickster and he also meets out judgment um, and, his counterpart in Western thought is the devil. Like he's like the devil, but in their thought, there is no devil, right? Yeah. So, but we've kind of branded their deity mm. as the devil. And so I think that, you know, when we look at a, the variety of religions, you'll see that there's going to be similarities because there's functions that are the same. So you're going to have, for example, in ancient Kemet and ancient Egypt, you're going to have people who are, um, guiding the Pharaoh, right? You're going to have people who are spiritual guides to the Pharaoh. You're going to have people who are speaking on behalf of the gods, on behalf of the deities, right? Um, and so that translates across the board, you know, um, in indigenous Native American religions, um, we have, they call them witch doctors, or they may be called a shaman in some other religion, right? But they basically serve the same function. And so I think that there's kind of like, some overlap because it's a general thing. Like it's generally, you, if you have a religion, there's probably going to be somebody who's speaking on behalf of God. Um, but also I think there's some confusion and some overlap with us identifying things through our own lenses. That makes sense. That, that makes a lot of sense. Now, after, you know, the, the latest project, you know, with Black is King and Beyonce, you know, I have seen, you, you also have a video on that. That's great. I recommend everybody to check it out, you know, but I've seen, I've seen different feedback on it, you know, and one of the feedback that I've seen, I, I even saw a meme that said, you know, the fact that 
we are equating, you know, African spirituality with demonic shows how brainwashed black people are. You know, basically what I got from that meme is saying, you know, Beyonce, Beyonce is celebrating African spirituality and the fact that people are calling it demonic means that black people are brainwashed to think that their heritage is demonic and evil. You know, so uh, how, how do you respond to something like that? So here's again is where being a bold Christian is just you listen, your beef with what I say is not really beef with me because what I'm saying is grounded in what the scripture says. All I'm doing is repeating what the word of God already says. And so if the word of God says, you know, there's no other God and I repeat that, I'm sorry. I can't, you know, like I'm not gonna water that down, and especially when it comes to something like this. And so I think that people, especially African-Americans, we have a romanticization of Africa. Um, the more we find out about white supremacy and the whitewashing of history and the more enraged we become by that, a lot of times we just swing the pendulum way over in the opposite direction and blackwash everything. Right. And we romanticize Africa and we are the greatest beings on earth. And we created everything that was ever good and all that is good. You know how the Bible says all that is good comes from God. All that is good comes from black folk. And it's just like, OK, pump your brakes a little bit. So we have to be balanced and practical and honest, you know, and it's very difficult because this is such an emotional and sensationalized discussion. But let's just keep it real. Let's keep it real. So when we're looking at ancient African um, traditions and religions or cultures or even any indigenous culture, there was generally, you don't find any atheist indigenous cultures. So their religion is interwoven into the life, into the lifestyle, into the culture. Um, people, the way they dress, they're paying homage to certain deities, what they eat, how they behave on certain days, they have holiday, all of these things are interwoven into the culture, right? So as Western thought develops, we begin to secularize, we begin to compartmentalize these two, these two things. We, we, we section off anything spiritual into a box, right? Okay, so let's walk with that. Let's walk with putting religion or the spiritual aspect of their culture into a box. Inside of this box is everything that has to do with worship and, you know, getting what you want from God's or whatever prayer, all of those things inside this box. If whatever's going on inside that box doesn't have to do with the one true living God, it's demons. I don't care where the box is rooted at. I don't care if the box is in Switzerland, Australia, Central America, Africa. Africa is not Africa is not immune to demons. Like, and I'm not going to demonize the entire continent or all of the people, even the people who engage in the practice of what I know to be demon worship. I'm not going to say that, you know, they're, they're inherently evil or anything like that. But the reality of the matter is the spirits that they're serving are not true spirits. Um, and so how do I deal with that? I just, I just got to keep it real. I'm sorry. Like, I, again, I've experienced it. This is not something anybody can take from me. This is not something I've read in a textbook or watched in a film. This is a life that I lived and I witnessed and then compared with scripture. And comparing this with scripture, there's some of the stuff that goes down over there. Y'all gotta watch yourselves. Even if, even if the practices weren't funny, the fact that the Bible says any other deity is not the one true living God, all the, the strength of that alone, I can boldly proclaim it's a demon, bruh. If it's pretending to be God and it's not God, it's a problem. 
Now, now somebody might hear that and push back, say, okay, you said that very eloquently. I understand what you're saying, uh, my Christian sister, but I'm not a Christian. I hear you, but many of the deities and characters that we read about when we do look at African sensuality, you know, they're based, they're based about, you know, sensuality, you know, or a deity of intelligence and wisdom. Like these are things that should probably be glorified. So what's the big deal? How would you respond to that? Well, it's it's hard for a person who is not spiritually conscious to grasp. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned, as the word says, right? It's going to be hard for you to grasp it. And that's not a knock. That's not an insult. That's just you reading things in a different language from what I'm reading them in. And so you're not coming to the same conclusion I'm coming to. Um, and so, you know, I think that that there's a bigger issue. It's kind of like when people first start coming to church, I'm the first thing I'm going to tell you is not about your profanity or how short your, short your skirt is. I want to make sure that you have a relationship with God. And then in the course of life, things will, will happen, right? Things will change on the outside because of what's happening on the inside. And so if you're not a Christian, you know, I mean, I'm, I want you to be aware that you're worshiping demons or that these are demons. But the bigger issue is who is God to you? Like if you, you know, you don't believe in God, like we need to have that conversation first before we start talking about what's going on with Africa and the spirits and over the, like that. I feel like it's putting the cart before the horse. But but if again trying to secularize, not even secularize, but trying to despiritualize what is taking place because you don't believe in spirits, that's disingenuous. You cannot you cannot revise that into somebody's culture. You cannot put that um, force that ideology onto someone's culture. So you're saying, oh, wisdom is really good and we should focus on that. And it's just an element that represents wisdom or it represents this, that, and the third. It's deeper than that. No, it's not just a representation. These deities manifest themselves. People don't build altars and offer sacrifice to represent to, 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 to wisdom itself as a theory or as a principle. They, they are offering sacrifice to an intelligent disembodied being. Now, whether you believe that or not is up to you, but the truth stands absolute without you subscribing to it, right? So I think anybody who practices that faith, let's say, because a lot of times these arguments are coming from people that have not, have never been involved. They don't know what's going on. Right. You know, they're getting their ideologies from pop culture. So they don't really understand that the practitioners of these faith systems would take they would take issue with you claiming that their gods do not exist the same way I take issue with you saying Jesus don't exist. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but they interact with these spirits and their ancestors on a near daily, probably weekly for most people, but a near daily basis. And so for you to try to negate that experience that they're going there and they're chanting and they're drumming and they're getting possessed and they're watching the gods speak through people and you're going to come over here and say, y'all making that up and y'all faking the phone. You can't do that. You cannot do that. So I think that it requires a, a certain level of humility and honesty to be able to understand that just because you don't believe in spirits don't mean it's not spirits. And that's on both sides. That's whether, whether you're denying the spiritual aspect of Christianity or whether you're denying the spiritual aspect of Ifa. Because once again, we both people on both sides of that conversation are going to tell you these spirits are real. Right. Now, what, what about voodoo? How does voodoo play into this? Because although, you know, it might be pushback from people saying, OK, well, you know, I'm talking about these deities. And if you look at them, it's really good things and all that good stuff. Doesn't voodoo also have African roots? Because that almost unanimously, you know, gets, uh, you know, gets an ambiance and, and a perception of, of, of being evil, you know, even when it's like a joke in a cartoon and whatnot. So how does voodoo fit into this conversation? So voodoo is the American 
remember how I was saying we use our own terminology? Voodoo is like the American way of saying vodun, which is really um, the Haitian um, the Haitian variant of this Yoruba faith system. So I, in, in West Africa, there were a variety of religions, right? There were varieties and, and, and each one had its own details and, and nuances, right? Um, but when we're talking about the Yoruba faith system, um, this is in West Africa again, and this is where a lot of African-Americans come from. So then through slavery and especially into the Caribbean, uh, we were not allowed to practice our indigenous faith systems. And so uh, what we did was mask them by syncretizing them, combining them with Catholicism. And so Catholicism is very heavily, heavily geared toward uh, the recognition of and prayers to saints. Um, so you have St. Paul, St. Peter, whoever, right? So what the Africans did in the new world was marry their indigenous deity to St. Peter. And it looks on the face like they're praying to St. Peter, but they're really praying to their indigenous God, right? And so that happens throughout the entire new world. In Brazil, we call it candomblé. In Haiti, they call it vodun. Um, in uh, Jamaica, they call it shango. So they have variants, but they all stem back from this same faith system in West Africa. And so Vodun is basically another variant of that. And so the reason why it gets um, such negative perception, it's no different from the rest. Look, him and I, it's no, if you think voodoo is evil, baby, I'm going to agree with you, but it's no different from the rest of these faith systems. It's just a different title with a, a little slight variations. And so the reason why Vodun gets such a bad rap is because that's the way the media has portrayed it. Like you said, in the cartoons, stuff like that. We see um, also in like uh, in Louisiana, where a lot of Haitian slaves wound up, or a lot of people who were translated through Haiti uh, wound up in in uh, Louisiana, we see a heavy prevalence of voodoo there, and it's kind of permeated the regular culture. So you'll also find elements of, they call it like roots or um, witchcraft, like all of these things basically stem again from West Africa. So I just, try, I'm trying to drive the point that if you think voodoo is bad, voodoo is the cousin of all these other things. So voodoo is not different. It's it's not different. It's just publicized. What they show you is all the blood that when they're when they're sacrificing animals, or they show you like people with wicked intent putting spells on other people. But people in other cultures put spells on other people, and they just don't make it look like what the media has made it. But it's the same thing. There are there are spells for for to attract money. You know, there's spells where you put something in somebody's food, especially if you. I don't know. You know, I don't know what your um, ethnicity, ethnic background is, but I grew up in South Florida. And so I grew up around a lot of mix of different cultures. And in the Haitian culture, it's very known. Like you don't just go over to anybody's house and eat because oh, yeah. especially <laughs> if it's somebody of the opposite gender, especially if it's a woman, like if it's a man going to a woman's house, you're, you're, you're more than likely have been told not to eat at other people's house because they will put something in your food to make you fall in love with their daughter. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not make-believe. This is how people like they literally invest you know, their time and energy into this because they believe in it. And a lot of times, I'm not going to say it, it doesn't work. I'm not going to say it don't work. It don't work on Christians, but Christians wouldn't be involved in that anyway, but you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Now, <laughs> what about stuff, you know, in, in one of my, uh, you know, uh, Bible studies that, you know, that I had, you know, with a young adult group at my church where I actually serve at, you know, what uh, one of the young adult, you know, she was talking about, you know, she had a friend who's into these healing stones and she was trying to get her to, to go about it uh, with her, you know, but it was interesting because the way the story was relayed to me, 
it sounded like the person would claim to be an atheist, but they still, you know, was was delving with the spiritual side that comes from her ancestors, quote unquote, you know, but that's not the only time I've heard of things like this. So what about these stones and these rocks that heal and these special candles and, and things like that? Is any of that also related to this conversation as it relates to African spirituality and whatnot? Um, I'm trying to charge my life. Can I have one second? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, so I was, I was asking you about, you know, this, this, this thing that comes up, you know, about these healing stones and, and rocks and, and, and things that just set a better ambiance, you know, it's people who have things in their office, you know, because, you know, these stones have special powers. Is this related to this topic at all? Does this have anything to do with these, you know, ancient African religions or current or however it plays out? Um, I think it's borrowed from a lot of different cultures. Again, remember I was talking about like people doing yoga and talking about chakras and all. That'll have nothing to do with Africa, but we've kind of in our minds made it African. I, it, I, how? You know, I don't know. Everything becomes African. If we like it, it's black. You know what I'm saying? If it look good, <laughs> we want the credit for it. Um, but so that this is one of those things where it's not necessarily indigenous to Africa. Although I will say that um, a lot of indigenous space systems have elements of not, I don't want to say necessarily nature worship, but there is kind of like a level of nature worship. So they believe that, and, and, and again, I'm speaking in very general terms. So this is not something that can be applied across the board. Um, but you know, some cultures will believe that there is a spiritual aspect to the natural things that we encounter, like rivers, or mm -hmm. um, I like to think of the film Pocahontas when she said, uh, um, the otter and the river are her brother and something are her friends. And she's talking about natural elements, right? Um, and so I, I, I understand that for example, in the roots system, which is a variant of witchcraft, they they rely very heavily on nature, uh, which is what Wiccans do. So they'll take soil from here, like a soil from the graveyard, or have a certain energy to it, or sprinkling salt over there will do something. The, all of these natural elements, and sometimes they try not to marry them with a spirit necessarily, but they ultimately typically do believe in one supreme being. They just uh, either don't have a name for it, or they call it the universe, but it's, it's an intelligent being um, that they believe they can influence by manipulating things in nature. Um, and so that's where the different, that's where the danger lies rather for Christians is trying to manipulate the spiritual world um, by means that are not laid out by Christ, right? So if we're trying to um, bring better energy into our lives by keeping this quartz stone in our purse, that's a problem because the quartz stone ain't got no power to change your life. Now, mm -hmm. I will say that, um, for example, the use of I'm gonna I'm gonna make this analogy to not analogy but comparison to the use of uh, essential oils. In the East, essential oils are used for medicinal purposes, but they're also used for spiritual purposes. So they can bring you money if you have this one, or you know, bring you luck for the other kind, or whatever the case is. But there's also an element of using these oils for natural um, benefits. And so, uh, as an example, peppermint oil is known to in in um, improve your mood, make you feel lighter, happier. You know, there's lavender oil helps you fall asleep, right? 
Mm-hmm. So these are natural phenomenon. These are naturally occurring, occurring phenomena, but it's not because, you know, I keep the lavender oil in my purse that it makes the whole vibe of the room, you know, because it's spiritual and everybody just want to chill now. It's because it's having a psychological effect, natural psychological effect when I pour mm-hmm. the oil. And so there's a distinction that needs to be made and very clear when we talk about, for example, stones and their healing powers. Stones cannot heal. You know, stones don't when you begin to ascribe a spiritual aspect to a, an inanimate object, I think that's where that's where the problem lies. Um, even in Christianity, because they, they try to compare those things with Christianity and say, well, in the Old Testament, we had incense. So, you know, the priests had incense. So why shouldn't we burn sage? OK, first of all, were you reading the Old Testament? Because God said if anybody used their incense but the priests, they were going to be put to death. So that's number one. Um, Um, And then, for example, um, the use of olive oil, you know, or holy oil, you know, but we understand as Christians that the power is not in the oil. The power is in the God who we pray to. And he uses the oil as a vehicle. But in these other systems, there is no the oil is not a vehicle or the rock or or whatever natural element is not a vehicle. It is the agent itself. It is the thing that does the work. And so I think that's a big problem. But specifically to answer your question, it's not necessarily tied to a particular religion outside of like what we would call roots or Wiccan. Um, but they are, they do have, um, they are interwoven into different elements of different cultures. Um, that, that's, that's really helpful. And I love how you, how you parked at the distinction piece, you know, because from, from, uh, from a biblical perspective, you know, no, no one thing that we do, you know, is the agent. I don't care if, you know, you could preach to somebody, you could talk to somebody and somebody say they got delivered from all this stuff. That doesn't mean that you are the actual agent that did it. It doesn't mean that your presentation, your teaching, your sermon or anything was the actual agent. God used that to actually help deliver that person. Even if you want to go right. to the New Testament and say, you know, well, Peter was helping, you know, uh, raise people from the dead. Peter didn't have power. The bed that uh, she was probably laying on didn't have power. If he used a, a napkin to wipe off some sweat first, none of that stuff. The power isn't in any of those things. It's in the name of Jesus. And uh, and I love how you pointed out. I love how you pointed that out because I thought about James two nine two uh, two nineteen. You know, you know where it's. Where that's where we get, you know, demons tremble at the name. You believe that there is only one God? Well, demons tremble at it. They they don't tremble. Demons don't tremble, you know, at the name of a rock. They don't tremble at the name of, you know, uh, you know, you do this three times before you go to sleep. You know, and you're gonna be fine. They they don't tremble at that. You know, that's probably them <laughs> doing that right with setting you, you up, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they setting you up. You know, but they tremble. At the name of Jesus, I love that. I, I love that distinction. I just wanted to park there a little bit. Now, you know, I've also read that us Christians are ignorant and we don't know that we're actually paying homage to an H to an ancient Kemet or Egyptian God when we say Amen at the end of our prayers. Have you ever heard that? And if so, how do you respond to it? Yeah, I actually did a video on this. One of my first videos, I think I was in my car for this video. You know, you gotta start where you at, you know what I'm saying? But um uh come as you are. Come as you are. <laughs> come as you are, that's right. <laughs> um basically the words amen, the, the the name of the ancient deity um was Yamanu, but in their writing system, they don't have vowels, so they have the letters Y, M, and N. And then European 
Egyptologists who were studying the language, found the Rosetta Stone, all that good stuff. They, to the best of their guesswork, to the best of their ability, supposed what the vowels may have been. And so this particular God has a very a variety of names. He's called Amon with an O, Amun with a U, and Amen also with an E. But the the most official title is Jamanu. So the way that you find whether there's any validity to this argument is to research the history, the etymology, the the birth, the, the genealogy is what we would call it, like this, to compare it, the roots of the word. And so the roots of the word Amen it's just amen. But when you look at Yamanu's name and you look at that variant of the word, it's like two completely different um, words that sound the same in English or in Hebrew. And what we now, um, what we now believe was the original um, pronunciation of the word. So, but looking at it, they're not related. And so in, in different languages, you'll have words that are cognates. So a cognate is a word that means the same thing and looks similar in two different language two different languages. And so they have the same etymology. They have the same background. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, in my video, I used plato in Spanish with plate in English, right? They're similar. But then gato um, is cat. It's not gate, which we might assume if, if plato is plate, then maybe gato is gate. No, it's cat. So those would have two different etymologies. And so this is kind of what we're doing with the amen thing. They chose one of the variations of his, the many variations of his name uh, and said, okay, this is the one that we're saying at the end of our prayers, but it's just, it, there's no there's no historical basis for that. Um, just because something sounds similar does not mean that they're the same. Yeah, and I'd also like to add, you know, that instead of saying amen, if we usually say it is so, you know, or so it be, let's say that's what we always say. And then someone says, well, you know, there was an ancient God, you know, in, in, in 2000 BC, you know, that, that that was, it is so too, you know, it, it is so too, you know. So when, every time you guys say it is so, <laughs> you guys are actually paying homage to it is so too, you know, and it's like, man, like, like that's not even... You know, that's not even, you know, what we're talking about. You know, you're really reaching for straw mans, you know, and and actually I, I actually want to make a point here because when I was a non-believer and I was studying religion and, and the historicity of different things, one of the things that really caught my eye, and this is just I haven't done any deep scientific study on this, but I don't see other religious practices being attacked the way that I see Christian uh, practices being attacked. Uh, fundamentally is what I mean. I, you know, even if it's an atheist saying, well, you know, I think there is no God and people who believe in God, they're all fooled. Even that person seems to have an extra uh, vehement approach in talking about Christianity. Like when they say that, they're usually talking about Christianity. They're not talking about the Buddhist. The Buddhist is kind of cool with them. You know, the Muslim brother or sister is kind of cool with them, you know, usually. You know, even when you're talking about people who are following some of the practices that we're talking about right now. Yeah, I don't believe in what you believe in, but I'm not annoyed by you. <laughs> you know, and, and it really, and, and it really, you know, and it's something that stood out to me because I was like, well, you know, if there is actually a devil, this is me thinking as a non-believer. If there is actually a devil, that devil would not want the truth that's in that book to be out. And that would actually make sense as to why I don't see the same level of vehement aggression fundamentally. I'm not talking about, you know, when when Muslims get discriminated against, you know, because of what other Muslims done. I'm, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 
the fundamental attack and it being 30 different uh, sects of people saying, well, you know, I'm reading the same Quran as you, but y'all reading it wrong. And this is actually this. But no, in Christianity, we got to deal with Jehovah's Witnesses and their false doctrine, Mormonism and their false doctrine, Hebrew Israelites and their false doctrine. You know, uh, one is theology, which seems like we actually have actual Orthodox Christian churches who still fellowship with them. And you don't even realize that they're oneness until you talk to them and ask them enough questions like, wait a minute, hold up. I didn't even, uh, you know, let's talk more uh, about this doctrinal uh, belief that you have. But we have all of these things. And that's that's something that I just, you know, that I really find fascinating, though, you know, that the fundamental attack, you know, does seem to be uh, unique, you know, when it comes to Christendom. And I even observed that when I wasn't, you know, when I wasn't mm. a believer. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was having the same conversation with a brother yesterday. Um, the very same things that you're saying, he was saying to me. Uh, and it's the reality. The reality is the way I see it is like. One of the, you know, the, the devil plays, the way he engages in his work is on like a military, like we downplay him and make him seem like he's as dumb as we are. Like this man, <laughs> this being <laughs> has been around since way before we were even thought of and not thought of, but you know what I mean. Um, and so his tactics are very well employed. And so one of those tactics I believe is either to convince people that he doesn't exist, which is a different conversation or to, um, present people with the truth, but then pervert it so that they're not following the truth. And then because they have an element of the truth there, uh, it, it's, it kind of quenches their thirst for following for the truth, right? At a certain level, it's kind of like, if you believe you already have it, you don't need to go looking for it. And so I think it's just, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant the way that he has and I, and I, and you know, I say this being a full despiser of the enemy, but I'm just saying that to acknowledge the way that it's being done offers us a version of Christianity, especially in the West, or it, it, it doesn't even matter where, but offer us a version of Christianity that is not really biblically sound and then pacify us with that and then have people believing that they're following the truth, but they're not, you know, Matthew 7, 21. And so, uh, I think that's really deep. I think that's really important to note that there are attacks against Christianity. People just make this assumption that, you know, Christianity is the most popular religion, even in America. Everybody, you know, it's the, the, the faith of the, of the country. But if you really sit down and think about it, if you really sit down and look at what's happening, not with Christianity as a name, but with Christianity oh. and its biblical principles, you'll recognize. I mean, right now, I'm grateful that prayer was removed from school because I don't want them teaching my baby's religion, their version of religion. But we started off very religiously focused, very Christian biblically focused in schools and we remove that. Um, and then as we go on down the line, we see, I don't know, you know, this is your channel, but I don't know what your positions are on homosexuality and things of that nature, but what the Bible says on, <laughs> is man. not what's being popularized right now. And so it might be that Christianity as an identity, as a title is popular and accepted, but Christianity in principle, and if you're actually living it out, that is what's being attacked. And there, therein lies the true, I want to say, not persecution, but persecution. Like this is how we know that, um, 
Christianity is not really being allowed or being popularized as it should be or as people think it is. And so, yeah, the enemy doesn't do that with any, you don't see him out here faking the phone with different kinds, like you said, with different kinds of Muslims. You got really two, three main branches of mm -hmm. Islam. Like you don't see 50 different denominations, let right. alone 3,000. You know what I'm saying? Um, and even circling back to what we were just talking about, even with ancient Kemet and, and, and these claims that, you know, um, Horus and Jesus, they, they came one from the other. It's so ironic because a lot of times in what I've studied, you don't see the connections that they're claiming are there. So, for example, you just talked about amen. And I think you articulated it, um, an element of it that I left out, which is the meaning of the word amen is uh, so be it or, you know, um, it is yeah. true. Right. Verily, verily. What Jesus says it's translated mm -hmm. in other places. But Yamanu is the hidden one. Right. So they're completely different definitions. Right. But the way we speak them sounds the same. But here's what I'm getting at. You'll see that. Horus, for example, they make claims, especially in that Isaiah guy's film, they make claims that Horus was crucified, mm -hmm. he was baptized, mm -hmm. he was resurrected, he was born of a virgin, all, none of which is true. Wow. None of these things are true. So the irony is that they're borrowing from Christianity to make it seem as though there mm -hmm. are com um, com compelling comparisons there that don't exist, and then claiming that Christianity is stealing from them. Right. Right, and I have a full video on YouTube. I'm gonna uh, leave all of these stuff that we're referencing, you know, her, her video on uh, Fix My Life, on the Beyonce, and this video that I'm telling you about right now. I have about an hour presentation where I thoroughly debunk the Zeitgeist movie, you know, thoroughly debunk and walking through, you know, the actual story of Horus, Isis, Osiris, and all that good stuff, and it's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. She wasn't no virgin, man, let me tell you that much. But That part. You know, but, but you know, in your response, though, you said something I want to highlight before I, you know, before I move on, you know, about Satan and, you know, and, and the enemy's attempt, you know, to keep people away from the from the truth about God. And I, I wish I knew the teacher or preacher who I came across when I was uh, studying this. I, I would shout him out, you know, but I transgressed in a way and I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling like I'm feeling guilt. I'm like, Lord, I'm saved. Why am I still struggling with sin and everything? So I'm looking up stuff like that. And man, I heard this brother say something so powerful. He said, the enemy does a great job at making people who aren't saved think that they are going to heaven and people who are saved think that they aren't. And I was like, wow, man, like I'm never going to forget that. So shout mm -hmm. out to whoever I heard say that, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know that stuff, you know, so I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I just got a, a couple more questions I, I want to get to. One, I actually want to cover uh, at least one of the things that you covered in your Beyonce video uh, that, <clears throat> that that covers uh, ten times, you know where she where she celebrated. Uh, how do I pronounce it? It's not Yoruba. How do I pronounce it? I mean, you can pronounce it Yoruba. Uh, I pronounce it Yoruba. Okay, yeah, yeah. So so ten plus times where Beyonce celebrated Yoruba and Black is King, and one of the ones that I it's really two, you know, but one of the ones that I found really interesting, and because you know. She's incredibly talented, man. She's incredibly talented. She's incredibly skilled. She's incredibly focused on her craft. So she deserves a lot of the accolades that she has. It's not like she's just being given it, you know? You know, it's not easy to be in heels and dance for, you know, for, for 90 minutes. You know, you got to be in shape. You got to do all kinds of stuff. So she doesn't, she she has fans and I would say rightfully so. I'm an artist as well. Like, more power to you, Beyonce. You know, but, but the... 
I don't care how much I love a person's music or acting or writing, you know, Jesus is king. And I'm not that's intentionally shouting out Kanye when I just said that. I was just saying that Jesus is king. And I want to uh, uh, quote lyrics from Bigger uh, in, in particular, in, in particularly. So in Bigger, you know, she says, if you feel insignificant, you better think again. OK, so far, so good. You know, better wake up because you're part of something way bigger. All right. I'm with that. You know, I feel insignificant. I'm something way bigger. OK, cool. No problem there. You know, you're part of something way bigger, not just a speck in the universe. OK, not just some words in a Bible verse. You are the living word. Now, I wanted to highlight this. And again, you know, you, you do a great job in your video, but I kind of just wanted to hear you elaborate on on those lyrics right there that she says in bigger, like, what do you think about, or what do you think Christians should be aware of when they hear a verse like that? I think that what's really at issue here is an attack on the Bible. Like, yeah. again, do your thing. You know, you want to follow commit, follow commit, but don't try to use the Bible for value. Oh, you know, if you was really looking, Jesus is really a copy from Horace, which means Horace is awesome. If you want Horace to be awesome, lead Jesus out the conversation, he can still be awesome to you. You know what I'm saying? So Beyonce, if you want to keep, you know, in touch with your roots and your West African indigenous religions and all that, that's good for you, sis. You know, more power to you. However, you don't have to take shots at Jesus to do that. And that's exactly what she's doing. She's, she's man, I wish our people had an understanding of the psychology of entertainment, music specifically, and how it affects the mind, um, how it affects the subconscious mind. Man, if I had time to break that down, I really would. But suffice it to say that if you're exposed to it at some level or another, you're being influenced by it. So you're there listening, being entertained, watching her, you know, put, put up these different deities and slip their names into the lyrics and all this other stuff. And while she's doing all of that, she not only glorifies her own religion, but also puts yours down. And, and we just, that to me, I think is, is the reason why I highlighted that because she's she's not using the Bible in a positive light. She's basically saying, forget what the Bible says. He ain't just mm, what the Bible says. No, right. you're bigger than the Bible. You're using it as a com to compare yourself to. You know what I have to offer you is bigger than the Bible. You're not just so minimizing what the Scripture says. Um, and again, you know, people have their difference of opinion. She probably will feel the same way about things that I would have to say about. Um, about her faith system. But, you know, the reality of the matter, I'm going to circle back to what I said in the beginning is if the Bible says it, I'm going to repeat it. You feel me? So <laughs> this is not personal. This is just what the Bible says, I believe, where it's intended to be literal is literal, right? And so if God is literally saying that any other spirit is a false spirit, then literally there's a problem. And so, you know, there's no, there's no gray area when it comes to spirituality. And so for her to, to not only glorify her religion, but, but bash Christianity in the same vein is really dangerous for Christians because yeah. as though, although you may be strong in your faith or whatever the case is, everybody's not on the same level or same page, but these are seeds being sown. Let's peek right. how enemy talked to Eve. The enemy came to her <laughs> quoting what God had already said. And that 
planted doubts and the questions because she engaged in this conversation, the questions that he asked her plant doubts in her mind and basically slowly or quickly, I don't know how long that conversation lasted, but he pulled her away from what she knew to be true before she engaged in that conversation. So we are, if we're being entertained by these things and hearing these arguments, we're subtly being influenced by them and our thought processes begin to change um, if we're not guarded. And the Bible talks about this. The Bible talks about it. So it's really important for us to be aware of what we're listening to, especially in a state of entertainment, because if you're being entertained by it, most likely you're not being, you're not scrutinizing it. And so you're allowing it to come in and you're enjoying it. So it's being recorded in a positive light and it's being recorded through your subconscious. I, and I, I may have to just do some videos about a series of videos about that, but there are people who've already done the studies and put them out there. But it, it's very, very important to recognize that when somebody is taking digs at Christianity and you're in a passive state in enjoying it, that that seed is planted in your mind. And then the more you accumulate those over time, they do become a problem. Not not can become a problem. They do become a problem. Amen. I mean, I mean, we, we see that in, in 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 a bunch of different ways, you know, even, you know, this this subject that we're talking about today, you know, is in pornography, you know, but it's just like with that, you know, you start off watching one thing. Now I'm into this. Now I'm into that. Now I'm into that. Now I'm into something that's so extreme that if you would have asked me when I first started, you know, I would have said, heck, no, I'll never do that. Man, listen, like when things get planted in our minds, it actually does mean something. And the reason why I wanted to focus on that particular uh, um, portion uh, that's in your video is because, you know, I, I'm, I'm an MC, man, and I'm a battle rapper, you know, and, and my favorite rappers of all time are all battle rappers, Eminem, Tupac, 50, you know, there are all three dudes who are known for having beef with other MCs and doing their thing when they got beef. And one of the things about 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 rap beef is before it really starts to kick off, people take little shots. You know, they just have one line in a song that might offend the other dude and they'll do a whole song. Now we got the full. So if this if this was that, this would be her taking like a straight, a straight up shot. You know, this is a straight up shot. She said, you're like, you're not just some words on in a Bible verse. You know, I'm not even getting to the part where it says, you know, you are the living word because Jesus Christ is the living word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. OK, Amen. So Jesus is the living word. You know, now you're telling somebody else that they are the living word. After you diss the Bible, you're going to quote the Bible <laughs> and, and, you know, in that type of way. But the not just some words on a Bible verses, you know, it's completely undermining saying that, you know, there's something much bigger than words on a Bible verse. It you don't know? get much bigger than it don't get no bigger than Jesus. The right? yeah, this is the same lie that Satan came and told Eve. God mm -hmm. won't you. God is not. He's keeping something from you because you, there's something bigger for you. There's something greater available to you. And this ideology that we are gods and all this. This is this is why she said that you are the living word. She knows exactly what the Bible says. She knows what she was saying. And so she's she's basically there's another train of thought with this whole spiritualism and new age movement that you are gods, right? And they, and they say that, you know, this is part of the Bible philosophy, but we're not really picking up on it because it's laden in there. But there's a, there's a, there is a truth to what the Bible is teaching when it says that we are gods. It simply means that we are his offspring and we have characteristics like him. And so we represent him. It doesn't mean that we are inherently God in and of ourselves, but this is what they're teaching. And that's what that lyric is definitely emphasizing. And this, you know, even later on in the, in the, um, in the, in the film, uh, Jay-Z refers to himself as God in the flesh, again, God in the X, Y. And so this thought is pervasive and they continue to push it and people buy it, you know, and again, it's a problem. There ain't no big, ain't, let me tell you something. In short, there's no bigger than Jesus.
Amen. No doubt. No doubt. So I, 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 this this will be my last question. At least I think I think it will be, you know, about being woke and being Christian. Is that possible? And if so, how is it possible? What does that mean? If I can be a woke man and still be a Christian man? Okay, so my tagline is Christian Black. Well, you hear me? So <laughs> is it possible? Yes. Um, but for me, what, what being woke means is to be aware. It's, it's, it's to be cognizant of uh, the social, basically the ills that are employed to subjugate and oppress people on various levels. That's what being woke is supposed to be. That's what being conscious is supposed to be. Uh, you know, when things become mainstream and get popularized, there's nuances and they change their original meaning. But 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, being woke was, it meant that you were aware of, and it really related to European um, subjugation of Black people and, and minorities. That's basically what it was supposed to be. And so um, they kind of had as part of that discussion Christianity in there because they believed that it was a tool for oppression. And, you know, I don't deny that Europeans absolutely manipulated the Bible and perverted the gospel and used it to their own selfish means. You know, when we were kids, I don't know how old you are, so, but <laughs> when we were kids, there there was like a theme across certain, um, across the cartoons where there was like a symbol of power in the, in the film. And if a good guy got to it, then it could be used for good. But if the bad guy got to it, then it would be used for evil. But the power in and of itself was kind of neutral, right? Um, I don't think the Bible is neutral, but I definitely think that it's kind of the same analogy. Like they got the Bible and they did what they wanted to do and they try to pervert it. But that doesn't mean that in, in innately in its nature that this is what the Bible was for. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so they kind of sweep Christianity up into there without being able to decipher that Christianity does not belong in there. Maybe the European version of Christianity belongs in there. Maybe the redacted version, you know how they gave us the redacted versions of the Bible that took out anything about liberation and the exodus and, and saving, took out all that stuff and gave us that version. Okay, yeah, that, that belongs to white supremacy. You can put that in there. But when it comes to true Christianity, what the Bible is actually teaching, it does not belong in this box of supremacy or oppression. Um, and so I find that in order to be truly woke, if you really finna be woke, if you wanna sit up here and talk about the counter intelligence program. You want to talk about how um, fluoride in the water, or you want to talk about chemtrails, or you want to talk about any number of these things that are supposedly, you know, gen genetically modified foods. You want to talk about these things that are being done to stupefy us and to make us, um, to make us subservient and to keep us down redlining. You want to talk about political animus. You want to talk about whatever these things are, right? But you leave out the spiritual aspect about you still tripping, bro. You ain't woke for real. You're not, you're not acknowledging, you're leaving the root of the issue out of the conversation. And so all you can possibly do is grasp at the leaves or the fruit that is produced by this tree. And, 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 and again, I just find that you're not really woke. You know how they used to say, you're not fully clean unless you're zestfully clean. You ain't fully woke if you're not understanding what the Bible is teaching if you're not a Christian. And right. I will say that there are Christians who aren't woke because they ignore and deny that there are spiritual ills. And for some reason to them, the devil only acts in the church or church spiritual religious settings, but he doesn't act in secular life. He, unless it has to do with entertainment, then everybody can see that. That, you know, the devil is obviously trying to push homosexuality on the children. But if we if we talk about systemic oppression or, you know, voter suppression or no, the devil doesn't act like that. He doesn't work in those in those arenas. 
So there are Christians who aren't woke, but then anybody who is not, who claims to be woke, but is not aware of the spiritual aspect of it, you're not really woke for real because you're not able to assess the true problem. And the true problem is the devil is out here to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to do it by any means necessary. And he has proven that. He's down for whatever when it comes to trying to um, keep our minds away from God. There's a song that I like to reference by Lauren Hill called War in the Mind. Her album, the, the, the second one. Oh, not the miseducation, the other one, uh, the unplugged album. The yeah. unplugged album, a lot of people thought she was talking about the Illuminati. Uh, she was talking about the devil. She was straight up talking about, if you're listening to the lyrics, she's talking about how he tries to put things in our minds to keep our minds from following God. And the, uh, that, that uh, that's why I find that song, particularly the war in the mind, so fitting for this conversation because what the enemy tries to do is all mental. It's all psychological. He, he like, like Beyonce taking jabs at the Bible, trying to get us in, into our subconscious, the entertainment, getting into our subconscious. The, the, the enemy distorting what we believe about God distorts our image of God and therefore our behavior toward him. That's a huge deal. Doctrine is a huge deal. So God says, and I, and, um, I believe it's Isaiah chapter one, come let us reason together. So he wants us to understand not everything because we're not capable of doing that, but he wants us to understand and have a rational basis for our faith. And so this war over the intellect and your thought processes is very, very real. And if you're leaving that out of the equation, you are subjected to oppression by means of the devil, straight up. Amen. Well, Nefernetti, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and oh, I, I know I've been, I know I've been blessed by it, and I'm certain that the listeners, you know, will be blessed by it as well. Is there anything that we didn't cover? Is there anything that we didn't cover, or maybe something that we did cover that you kind of want to highlight and repeat, just to make sure you know people kind of. Um, <clears throat> have in their mind as we wrap up this conversation? Well, two things. The first I'll say is that I, I want to emphasize this whole, uh, I feel like it's kind of a straw man, but maybe in some cases it's not. People genuinely feel like if you call out certain practices as evil, then you're demonizing the entire culture. I'm not demonizing Africa. I'm not demonizing West Africa. I'm not demonizing Europe, Europe people. I'm not demonizing even the people who practice Ifa. I am, however, calling out the fact that those are demons. Um, that they're worshiping. And so, you know, to some people that might be the same thing, but I see a clear distinction in my own understanding of separating what the people are practicing from coloring those same people by what they practice. You understand? Because I see them inherently as children of God and that God, you know, he, he died for all of them. And so he wants them too. And, you know, again, like I said, from the beginning, there are people who are sincerely following the wrong thing. You know, the Bible says to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I think that they try their best to worship him in spirit, but they just need the truth part. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't think that Africans are inherently evil or anything just because it's black or African that's bad, you know, stay away from all things that look indigenous. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that these are spiritual matters of spiritual concern. And there is a very real world that we don't physically see with our eyes. And we have to be aware of when we're towing the line, when we're when we're tiptoeing into forbidden territories, we have to be aware of that. Um, and the second thing I'll say is that, you know, Jesus loves you. God is real. Uh, you know, he, he you know, uh, Brother Veda, he, you talked about how he delivered you. And I know that he delivered me. And there's scores of us who can testify as to how he presented himself to us when we were not necessarily seeking him. Um, and so... Uh, I just want Christians to understand people, people generally to understand that my mission is primarily the Christians to help us to understand what these things are and whether or not we should engage in them. It's not an attack on other practitioners. It's just a, a, a 
uh, it serves to inform us. My conversations are uh, to us primarily. Um, but secondarily, that if you are involved in some of these things and you're see seeing these spiritual manifestations and you want a way out, pray, you know, submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. He will be there. You know, the, the Bible says that if you ask, ask, seek, and knock, he's going to be there. He's going to open. He's going to, you know, provide for you a way of escape. And that's a promise. And so you, just because you were born in or raised in a particular religion doesn't mean that you have to stay there, especially with some of the trauma that goes on. I'm, listen, I know. I know these spirits attack people. I know that, you know, women um, are subjugated and sexually oppressed and both by people and by spirits in these different faith systems. And you can come out of that, you know, you can come out of that. God is standing there with his arms open. That's, that's the whole bottom line. Amen. Amen. It is so. <laughs> yeah, that's great, man. That's great. You know, so as we close, y'all, y'all know it's two things that we love to say. The first one is you may or may not be reformed, but we should all be informed. And perfectly, this conversation is helping you with that. And last but not least, you know what we say here? Is he a real one radio, y'all? Is he a real one? Yes, he is. And the he that we're talking about is Jesus, y'all. A, 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 A.